0: We've been talking the last couple of weeks uh, in the season of Advent about how waking up is sometimes hard to do, and uh, I won't ask for a show of hands as to who found themselves in that position this morning, but uh, we do like to, you know, some of us have gotten good. Man, my alarm was loud this morning, and uh, some of us have gotten good at just sleeping right through those things, and or hitting that snooze button and going on to the next. Uh, We have a hard time, some of us. On, I mean, some of you are already thinking about it's It's only Sunday at 10.40, but you're already thinking about Monday at 6.30, you know, and you're thinking about getting up tomorrow morning and, and what that's going to take, um, and we have a hard time sometimes just, just waking up, but a lot of us know the other side of that as well. When waking up is easy to do, uh, some of you, you just wake up every time every day same time no matter what you can go back to sleep if you if you you know really really wanted to but others of us us, when we have something going on on a particular day that we're just really looking forward to so much so that our sleep the night before has really been done with one eye open in anticipation and excitement for what the next day will bring we don't have a hard time waking up uh really at all, on, on those kinds of mornings. And most of you, whether it was a trip that you were getting ready to go on or some other activity that you needed to get up in order to be a part of, uh, you, you've been able to get up and, and do that pretty easily. Not surprising that the one day that isn't difficult for most kids to wake up on is Christmas morning. And, uh, you know, these trees uh, sometimes are, uh, you know, like, like them. There are trees in, in homes that kids like to get to. I remember the excitement and anticipation of my own life as a kid trying to get out to the tree, Uh, and I have witnessed it for sure in my own kids over the years. And the the challenge of this is that most parents have been up late the night before, Uh, cleaning up from friends and family being over for Christmas Eve, perhaps, or wrapping some presents, or making cookies for Santa. Who knows what it is that we've been doing up late, but uh, if other parents are anything like me, I'm not typically as eager to get up as early as my kids have been on Christmas morning. So much so that, I mean, you can can give me all the Scrooge comments you want, but we've said it like a time, all right? We're gonna get up at seven, and uh, and let's just kind of Set that in, in place. But here's the challenge. I mean, when I say 7, there's this time between maybe 5.30 and 7 that we might call the time between the times. <laughs> the time between the time when the kids wake up and the time when they're allowed to get the parents up. And this is a time that is filled with the sound of, of, of foot. Uh, steps, not prints, you can't hear footprints, but footsteps scampering through the house and running up and down the hallway, if you've been in our house, you know we have this hallway, and, uh, and, and, and bodies pressing up against the door to our room, <laughs> leaning against it, breathing heavily through the crack. Uh, they'll wake up if we breathe heavier. And trying to do whatever they might be able to do to, uh, to, to check to see. Just, just check in to see if you're awake yet. Just, uh, just making sure, looking for any sign, right? This is what kids do. Looking for any weakness that might give uh, some indication that we might break and let the festivities begin earlier than scheduled. Waking up is the easy part on this day. It's the waiting that's hard to do. Waking up is easy. We've been saying uh, here in Advent that Advent invites us to awaken from our numbed endurance and our domesticated expectations to consider life afresh in light of the gifts, the new gifts that God is about to give. Sometimes, even when it comes to our life with God. The waking up part isn't so bad, it's waiting for God to act. In the grand scheme of things, it's waiting for God to, who sent his son Jesus the first time as a baby in Bethlehem, to send his son Jesus again, to come again in glory as he has promised. And there's this, we're awake, we're awake, but we're waiting. We're waiting for you to come again, Lord Jesus. And and, and even in our day-to-day living, there's this sense of waiting. When? When, God, are you going to move in that particular situation? Or when, Jesus, are you going to show up in that, on the scene in that, in that circumstance? Just wait, be, trusting and believing and knowing that God has promised, that God has been faithful. But and we're awake in anticipation, but waiting. Waiting for when God will move. Advent is about reminding us of all these arrivals, these comings of Jesus, but Advent also is just about helping us to learn to wait and, and to know sort of how to wait. It's what we do in December and it's what we do in history as we await God to move. And James, has some great words to say. So we're going to jump out of Romans where we've been the last couple of weeks and move over to James. James chapter 5. Just some short little verses. A short little portion of scripture. James chapter 5, verses 7 through 10. If you know anything about the book of James, it's about works, right? The This this. This connection between faith and works. And James has said and has demonstrated in his writings that faith without works is dead. And so while we have faith, we must also be living out this faith. It's been a very clear call of his throughout his book. And here in verse 7, he picks up on this theme as he speaks about these last days. Let's just uh, stand together as I read this, can we? Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. I believe that's three variations of the word patient within the first couple of verses. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Every generation of Christians has prayed that Jesus would come, just as he promised. And so far, every generation has had to learn patience. We shouldn't be surprised at the delay. The Jewish people, as we know from the Old Testament, had lived with exactly the same problem through the long centuries when they had wanted and waited for their Messiah to come and sort everything out. And some had started to believe that he wasn't coming. So James encourages us here. Be patient. Learn patience. Learn the lesson of patience. And this word... Not only sounds foreign to us, but it just feels foreign to us, because if you've looked around the world, or if you've looked around your own life lately, it's not something that we're very good at. Patience is not something that we are developing, and the patience muscle is not one that gets worked out very often. Do you remember a few years ago when Amazon Prime came around? Two-day shipping? Oh, it's, it's a miracle. It's the Christmas miracle. <laughs> it can get here in two days. I can't believe this. And we ordered things, and we ordered things, and we ordered things. And sometimes it was things that we needed, and sometimes we just wanted to see if it could actually get here in two days. And then two days wasn't good enough. So it became one day shipping. If you paid a little bit extra, one day Shipping from who knows where. And the warehouses were built closer and closer to our homes so they get here sooner and sooner. And now forget the two-day shipping, forget the one-day shipping. It's same-day pickup friends. <laughs> Same day. Is anybody with me? <laughs> this is this is our this is our lives. Right? Two days isn't good enough. I mean, four days for sure isn't good enough. Two days isn't good enough. One day, uh-uh, same day, I need it. I, I, I think about this, just the way we eat, like, just even around our house. My mom and dad are staying with us. It's great. Uh, and we've done, you know, just the way we eat fruits and vegetables, right? There used to be a season in which you got strawberries. Everybody remember that? And there used to be a season in which you got blueberries. Now there are no seasons for fruits and vegetables because somewhere in the world, Blueberries are growing right now. It might be in Peru, but uh, they can get here from there to here overnight. I don't have to wait for blueberry season to have my blueberries. I can have them right now. There's no, there's, there's the, the patience muscle. It used to be, we'd be like, oh man, I can't wait till the fall when I can get me some good apples. Mm, no, I want them now, and I'll get them now because they're being grown somewhere now it's not something that we're good at because we haven't had to practice it we when it, and so when it comes to waiting patiently for God to act as well whether in sending his son Jesus or coming to us in our own lives we're we're just not we're not in tune we're not practiced up in waiting we have a hard time being patient now it would seem If you listen to James, and if you think about some of the ways that he's written, and some of you are familiar with the ways that he's written in previous chapters of his book here, and in the face of some of the chaos that we know we encounter in this world, that we might actually expect James to to urge us not to be patient, but to be outraged. We might even expect to to hear James write, Dear brothers and sisters, as you wait for Jesus' return, be outraged at what's going on in the world. Get busy. Get active here. And while he has been very clear throughout the letter that followers of Jesus are to be very concerned about the widows and the orphans and the injustices in the world, his greatest concern here remains for purity among Christians. He could also have said, you know, while you wait for Jesus' return, just give up. Just <laughs> this world isn't going anywhere so just hide out together somewhere fall into total despair of anything ever changing or becoming new even in your own life and just just you know just hold on with your last knuckle and wait for Jesus to come back he he could have either said be outraged or be completely despairing but instead he of meets us right in the middle and just says be patient because James isn't only concerned about the world around us, he's, about our, he's concerned about our own formation and our own development, our own holiness our own purity as well and so he says think like a farmer I, I don't know if James had much of a farming background, I don't know where but it was an ample illustration lots going around and so just this seems to click for him don't, 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 uh, don't be outraged, don't be despairing, be patient, in fact, think like a farmer, a farmer who sows his crop, and, and perhaps even weeks later, I mean, let's just think like a farmer right here for a minute, just sows his crop, and perhaps even weeks later, walks out to the, to the field and looks around and thinks to himself, not much has changed. <laughs> Still a bunch of dirt right there. Soil looks just as bare as it did when he went to work. Think like a farmer. Was he, was he wasting his Had he wasted his time? Had he wasted the, the seed that he could have used to feed his family, perhaps even? Had the crop even failed? No. No. It just, for the farmer, it just takes time. It just takes time. And it just, sometimes it just takes more time. It takes more time when we're ready to wait. It takes longer for God to move. It's uh It's it's uh, humility within us that admits that begins that can begin to admit as a farmer and as a person that I don't I don't know how this works I don't know the timing and how God will work all that out when the crop will raise and when Jesus will come again in glory and when He'll come in in action in my own life it's humility that steps back and says God I. I don't, I don't know. It's the, the, the time scale of your action is completely different than mine, and I'll wait for you to act. I'll be patient for you to act. And so James calls us to patiently wait on the Lord. And we do as ones who trust God in this God who sends the early rains, this God who sends the late rains, this God who knows the precious crop and knows the need that the farmer has for it and will bring it to, to harvest. It's a, it's a patience, really, as James writes here, that's, that, that stirs some different things of, ways of thinking in our lives and in our minds, even this morning. It's a, it's a patience that is based in our hope Of Christ's return, we can be patient this morning, James says, because we know Jesus is coming back again. Like we said earlier, every generation has prayed for Jesus' return, come Lord Jesus, come, Maranatha. And every generation has had to learn that lesson of patience. But we continue to hope in that and can have patience in our hope that Jesus will come again it's been several weeks since I mentioned my daughter being in at college away at college she's been here several of those weeks so I haven't had to mention it but can I can I just tell you that December 20th is the day that she takes her last final of her first semester of college and will get in a car that night and get a ride to Santa Barbara and be home for three weeks and that date is circled on, you know, figuratively circled in my electronic calendar. <laughs> and the expected return of our daughter is is something that we that brings joy to our hearts and brings hope of the family being reunited and parents whose kids are away at school, you know that feeling, and just the expectation and the and the and the joy and the excitement of that brings brings great happiness. And also, knowing that that date is circled on the calendar means that I can probably make it five more days. And I can probably get by, you know, for just a little while longer. It's the same sort of thinking as we place our hope in the certain return of Jesus it's that knowledge that confidence not not just in some pie in the sky sort of like general christian idea that jesus will come again someday but this personal hope and anticipation that jesus will come and set all things right and whether i get to see that in my lifetime or it's in the next generation of christians to come that hope for me allows me to, to live with a sense of patience. God's got this. The crop is in the field. He'll raise it up in due time. This patience is based in our uh, the, the, the hope of Christ's return. It, it's also this patience that that, uh, that God wants to allow us to experienced as a means of just growing us in maturity. Growing us in 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 discipleship. And this patience is is a virtue, not because patience is allowing us to kind of make it through life, but patience is this virtue because it's giving space for God to continue to do his work in in us in these days. There in verse Eight, You too must be patient, take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. This isn't a time just to wait passively. We've set our hearts on on Christ, and so this is a time for us to lean into Him, to to grow in Him, to, 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 to stand firm in Him, to take courage as... James writes here, or to strengthen your hearts, as it's written in other translations, is this idea of reinforcing your resolve. It's like just planting your feet and determining once again that in this time of waiting, this this time of patience is not going to be one where I just sort of pass the time. It's going to be one where I'm firmly resolved to live for Christ, To give everything I have to Christ and for Christ. To be open to the working of the Holy Spirit in my life in these days in new and fresh ways. And to allow him to grow in me all that he wants to grow in me. Regardless of how long or difficult the wait is, his invitation, James's and the Lord's, is for us to reconfirm our decision to follow Jesus to the end to be patient in all of our trials in all of our challenges and to allow the lord to grow us and to shape us and to form us it's like it's like being in the it's like being in the crockpot it's like just it's just letting the time do its work on us shaping and molding us and allowing god to grow in us, the strengthening of our hearts, this taking courage. It comes as we live and, and, uh, and witness together. It's as if one, one person wrote it like this. He said, it's as if James is writing, slow down, just slow down, just seek first the kingdom of God. Be attentive to what's going on around you. Be so Aware, Don't just let the time slip past you. Let all the things happen in and for God. Then all else will be given. God will grant it all. God will take care of it all in his time. My job, my task is not necessarily to look forward to then in such a way that I lose sight of the now, but to look forward to then in such a way that I pay attention to the now. allowing maturity and holiness to to be that goal that I press on to. It's a patience that 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 not only has the shaping of our own hearts in mind, but it's also a patience that that uh, will will ask for some very deliberate behavior. And that's what I love about this passage. And I love about the book of James is as theological as he can get, he always brings it back to the practical. He always brings it back to you know, how we're, how we're speaking, or how we're thinking, or our attitudes, or our actions. And James brings it back again in uh, those last couple of verses there in verse 9. a very practical, intentional behavior. What does it look like to live in Christian patience? Well, there's a lot of things that he could have said here, right? But look at verse 9. Lots of things that he could have said, but what does he pick out? Don't grumble about each other. Let's just, all, let's just get a little grumble. Ready? Just, just for a minute, just, just grumble. Ready? Not a whole minute, just a couple seconds. Ready? One, two, three. Grumble, 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 grumble. All right. Good. You got it out of your system. Because James says, don't grumble. In this time, while you're waiting... And here's the deal. James knew that this time of waiting would be one that was filled with persecution. It would be one that was filled with challenge. Anybody ever been on a mission trip? Like an overseas or an international or a, you know, a domestic kind of mission trip where you go with a group of people and we have, we're, we're thinking about doing some more of these in Life of Our Church in, in months to come. We've done several over the years. But where you go with a group of people usually somewhere between 8 and 20, and uh, sometimes more, and you spend uh, a week to 10 days, maybe two weeks together in some part of the country or the world that's far from your home, typically. Uh, And, I mean, the presence of the Lord is a part of those teams. Typically, those teams are going, I mean, they're called mission trips for a purpose. Typically, those teams are are, are on mission for God to proclaim the gospel in one way or another, to, to serve as the hands and feet of Jesus in the world in which we're a part. And, and God is, the Holy Spirit is moving in these teams. There is, there's, some, there's usually a lot of like Bible study and prayer together, and there's been preparation and anticipation. And God is at work in these mission teams. And yet, Every mission trip that I've been a part of about day 4 something happens. And that is that you begin to realize that you've been with these same people a whole lot over the last 4 days. And and you're beginning also to realize that you're in a place that doesn't have the same hot water capacity that perhaps your home does. And you're feeling maybe a little bit thin and weak because the 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 food isn't quite perhaps what you have been used to at home either, and you haven't been eating as much. Or maybe you're feeling a little bit lethargic because the food isn't what it's like when you've been home, and it's good. You've been eating a lot of it. But something happens, usually day four or five, I've noticed it, that that you start to look at those people through a different lens like, are you still here? <laughs> wow. And those of you who have gone on a mission trip with me, I of course was not thinking this about you. <laughs> These are other mission trips that I've been on. So just to clarify that, are you still, and and there's then and there can be, and, and then something goes wrong. The. The, the weather acts up and you can't get where you went, wanted to go to. And, or maybe somebody, as has happened in certain places where we've been, the, the, the authorities came in and said, actually, you can't do what you had planned to do. That, we can't allow you to have that sort of activity where you want to do it. And, and, and things are going, and, and you're like, wait a second. have lots of things to do at home right now. Why am I... Why? And there, there can just start to be a little... And, and I think James knew this about not just mission trips, but about Christians in general, as we live together, waiting for Jesus to come again, waiting for Jesus to move in our lives, waiting for Jesus to reveal himself, waiting and waiting, and are you still here, by the way? <laughs> and wow, you kind of bug me. And I'm not talking to anyone in particular, unless it was Greg. But um, and 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 just this sense of and, and the grumbling begins. And I've been a part of athletic teams where the the losses start to pile up, and the more losses that pile up, the more fingers start to get pointed. It's not my fault that we're losing. It's but it sure is his. It sure is the coaches. Or it sure is. A lot of fingers, can maybe fingers can start to get pointed even in the Christian community. Why aren't we doing, why isn't this, why aren't you? And James just like pulls the rug out from underneath him and he says, just stop it. Just don't even start it. Don't grumble. Don't think this way. Don't bicker. Don't criticize. Amid some really challenging things. amidst some difficult marriages and some demotions at work and some sicknesses and some financial crises and some, some, some impatience with one another and the pressures that come around us. Don't let the church become infected with grumbling and with blame and with criticism. When the pressure's on, lean into each other and not away from each other. What's striking to me about um, all of really what James has said, there's a couple of times where he comes back to, and he sort of inserts these little reminders. And one of them is towards the beginning there in verse 8, I think it was, where he says, must be patient, take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. And, and then he says, don't grumble or you'll be judged, for look, the judge is standing at the door. And there's a couple times right there in the, the scripture where Paul wants to make sure that we know that Jesus is very close by. That though he may not have come in glory and though may he not he may not be revealing himself to us in the way that we want him to right now, that does not mean he's off on vacation somewhere. That Jesus is very near. That Jesus, in fact, is standing at the door. And, and And I think we need to hear that reminder in at least two ways, because I think James means it in at least two ways. I think on the one hand, he's saying, the Lord is near. So when you feel like grumbling, remember, the Lord is there to help you. Instead of looking at how much your fellow church person is bugging you, turn your eyes upon Jesus, who's very close by. Look to him, and he'll help you. He'll give you the strength. He'll help you to be patient in the moments where you feel very, very impatient. The Lord is near and wants to help you. And then there's the other side. And it's the one that particularly comes from the illusion or the idea of he's at the door. There's this sense where Jesus is like, are you guys grumbling again? And, uh, And James is most think a lot of people think that the author of James is James the brother of Jesus and it seems like again James is is ref- referencing some of Jesus's best material judge not or you will be judged and by the way the judge is right there <laughs> ready to do it there, there's a sense here that as we wait patiently there is also this sense of of warning right this sense of warning that means is meant to catch us quick catch us up in our slumber or in our lack of of patience and to awaken us again to the reality and to the significance of this moment third sunday in advent friends as we work our way through this season he's he's nearer to us than he's ever been <laughs> and as we await this celebration of the birth of Christ in the next next Sunday and on Christmas Eve and as we look for the ways in which Jesus is making himself known to us let's like let's think like farmers let's think like farmers crops in the field trusting and believing that as we patiently await upon the work of God he will Again, reveal himself in all his goodness, in all his nearness, in all his kindness, in all his peace. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the chance we have to think again about what it looks like for us to live as we are are awakened to you, to your good news. And yet, as we await you to, to come in your fullness and to come and reveal yourself to us in new and fresh ways. Some of us feel like we've been waiting for that personally for maybe just a long time. We're, we're looking for your light. We're looking for your direction. And we're we're waiting. And we pray that your spirit would give us strength today to, to, to help us to take courage to, to wait well. And to work out our patience muscles as we as we, as we have great confidence that you will, in fact, work in your timing and in your way. So again, today, Jesus, we firmly resolve ourselves to follow after you, to live for you in every circumstance and every situation that comes our way, to make a decision to, to, to be obedient to you in that situation. and in particular as it relates to our own relationships with those within the body of Christ. God, may You correct us, may You catch us where there is grumbling, where there is criticism, where there is pointing of fingers, where there is any blame. May, you, may Your Holy Spirit convict us of that and move us in a new direction. And may we find in each other nothing and no one but our biggest fans and our mutual encouragers and those that we know have our back both through our victories and our failures. As we wait for you, Jesus, shape us in this way. Give us patient hearts today to give you glory in all that we are and all that we do. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.